Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay, dear listener. Experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. Welcome to Criminalia, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Criminalia. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Maria Tremarki. And this week, we are going to look into the life of Marie Lafarge, who, at just 24 years old, became the sensational central figure in one of France's most notorious murder cases. Her crime? Marie was convicted of murdering her husband by poisoning him with arsenic. But what's most notable about that in doing so, she became the first person ever to be convicted based on direct forensic toxicological evidence, like on Dexter or CSI. She was born Marie Capelle in France in January of 1816, and she was the daughter of a colonel in Napoleon's Artillery of the Guard. Her mother's lineage could be traced to France's reigning royal family. Her grandmother was the daughter of King Louis XIII's father, Philippe Galité, and his mistress, Comtesse Stéphanie Félicité de Genlis. Marie was an aristocrat. She was a beautiful, cultured woman who played the piano and wrote poetry. In her memoirs, which weren't published until after her trial, though, she described herself as having an unhappy childhood. She claimed her father had often lamented not having a boy, and her younger sister, who was five years younger, uh, was, at least to Marie, considered prettier and more charming than she was. And when her father died in a hunting accident in 1835, Marie was just 12, and her mother remarried very quickly. But just seven years later, her mother also died. 
and that meant that orphaned Marie was sent to live with her aunt. That was her mother's sister. Her aunt was also the wife of the Secretary General of the Bank of France. Though it's said she was treated well in her new home and sent to the best schools. As an orphan, Marie's status went from aristocrat to poor cousin. She had no dowry of significance, rumored at only about 90,000 francs. And in those days, that made her a marriage liability. Her wealthy upper-class peers started to marry wealthy noblemen. But because of her financial situation, Marie was still without a husband at age 23. And at this time in France, marriage for aristocratic women was a serious business. And so her uncle went to a matchmaker for help. The matchmaker did manage to strike a deal for Marie. Her arranged marriage was to Charles Lafarge, who was a robust man, often described as coarse, um, and he was merely a matter of expedience for both. Charles needed money to repair his estate and reinvigorate his business, and Marie was in desperate need of a husband. Charles had really presented himself as a wealthy manufacturer and a property owner with an annual income of 30,000 francs from his iron foundry. But the reality was a little bit different. He had lost almost all of his money and his property during the French Revolution. So if Charles had offered an honest matchmaking profile, it wouldn't have been very appealing. He was a bankrupt widower with nothing but a collapsed chateau. The chateau, his one asset, if we're being generous, also had a serious rat problem. And when Marie first met Charles during a date to the opera, it it wasn't exactly love at first sight. (laughs) She found him to be common and boorish and ugly, and she really didn't like him very much. But still, a short few days later, they were engaged. And just a few more weeks later, in the summer of 1839, Marie and Charles were married. And not surprisingly, when she arrived at her new home at Le Glandier, not far from Bordeaux, it turned out to be set within the ruins of a former monastery, and Marie was disappointed. And as for her new in-laws, they were not the aristocracy that she was accustomed to rubbing elbows with. They were peasants, and they disliked her immediately. Unhappy and disappointed with her new reality, Marie made a determined effort to break loose from Charles. On her first night in their new home, she locked herself in her room and wrote a letter to her new husband begging him to free her from their marriage or else she threatened she'd poison herself. This was also the first time that she invoked this idea of murder by arsenic, although, of course, she was threatening to take her own life and not his, writing, quote, Spare me, be the guardian angel of a poor orphan girl, or, if you choose, slay me and say I have killed myself. But later that night, she admitted to her ruse. Charles, in return, agreed not to act on his marital privileges until he had both renovated the house and saved his failing ironworks business. He kept his word, and accounts suggest that things did seem to improve between the two of them over the next few weeks, but that didn't last. Charles really did seem to be trying. Charles spent a significant amount of money on his bride during this time. Uh, He really seemed to be doing his very best to win her over, and he wanted her to be able to pursue her intellectual interests and find some happiness. So he had her piano shipped from Paris, and he also bought her an Arabian horse that she could ride around on the grounds. Uh, And he also subscribed her to magazines and newspapers, and he set her up with an account at the local library. He does seem to be trying. Really hard. <laughs> right? He's like, he's like, here's this Arabian horse that I bought for you. Please don't poison yourself, honey. I know I'm not <laughs> what you expected, right. but I, I want to make this palatable for you. Yet accounts of their marriage suggest Marie remained uncomfortable, feeling that his attentions toward her were, and we quote, paid in a manner that shocked her refinement. 
Still, uh, in return, I mean, Marie was not blind to the fact that he was making an effort. She started to take on her responsibilities as the mistress of the house. And at the top of her list of things to do was to take care of that pesky rat infestation. (laughs) Those damn rats. We're going to get into a little bit of chemistry, but first we're going to take a quick sponsor break. Hey, everybody, it's Holly. Listen, I've been doing stuff on stage since I was a kid, which means that I have been doing my makeup since I was a kid. And I can turn out a look when I need to, but on my day to day, I really like to keep it a little more relaxed and low key. I don't have time for a full face most of the time. But that also means that Thrive Cosmetics can have me covered no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm doing something on stage, like I have an appearance or a live show, or I'm just running to the grocery store. Something in their line is perfect. And what I really love and what's important to me is that they are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And to me, cruelty-free is very important in the cosmetics I use. I mentioned that I've been doing my makeup for a long time. I've gotten older (laughs) in that time. And one of the things that I've done to refresh my look is switch over to their Brilliant Eye Brighteners and use something like a rose gold shade to really like go all around my eye and then just blend it out and get a daytime smoky look. It makes me look a little more youthful and more refreshed. And it's just easy as pie, and it means that I don't have to mess with a whole ton of products. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash criminalia. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash criminalia for 10% off your first order. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Your home should be your haven, and everyone wants to feel safe at home. If you travel a lot, it's really important that your home is secure when you're gone and that your pets are also safe. Simply Safe is advanced home security that puts you first. Simply Safe sent me a home security package, and I was really blown away by all the cameras and the quality of them. When I travel, I could check in on my cats anytime, day or night, and I sleep better knowing that once our alarm is set at night, I know that I'll be alerted if anyone tries to enter the house. Simply Safe has been named in U.S. News and World Report's best home security systems for five years running. It's also been ranked best customer service in home security by Newsweek. By partnering with Simply Safe, I've finally gotten real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Get an exclusive 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash criminalia. That's simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com slash criminalia. 
There's no safe like Simply Safe. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need. Renowned for their exquisite tights, Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises, but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Welcome back to Criminalia. Let's get into a pinch of chemistry for a moment. Arsenic is an element of the periodic table and in its naturally occurring state, it's not particularly toxic. It's white arsenic, which is a byproduct of the smelting process of various metals that's highly deadly poisonous. Um, and that's what was commonly used to get rid of rodents and weeds and almost anybody could buy it in the 19th century. Marie got hers from the local druggist. And also just as a historical cultural level set, during this time in France, Arsenic could be found in way more household products than you would probably feel comfortable with today. By mixing copper, arsenic, hydrogen, and oxygen together, um, it produced a brilliant green, though highly toxic, pigment that was used in everything from kids' toys to soaps and candles and fabric dyes, even wallpaper. Um, pretty much anything that was colored this, this green um, during this period would have been laced with arsenic. It could even be found in medications that were used to treat everything from asthma to malaria and cancer to inhaling enhancing a waning male libido. Arsenic wasn't just used to kill rats and mice. During the mid-19th century, when life insurance had gained popularity as an industry, arsenic took on a new identity as people saw a new chance to supplement their income. It was nicknamed the inheritance powder because it was so frequently used to kill off uncles and other family members who might leave behind a chunk of cash or some other assets. And although men committed about 90% of spousal homicides, women were not above using it to kill husbands. Yeah, so some of this arsenic talk may be like a review for you. Um, and because it was cheap and odorless and had no flavor... Arsenic, as we have mentioned before, could not be detected in food or beverages. And because those symptoms that it caused, like diarrhea and vomiting and abdominal pain, are all pretty common for many other conditions, including cholera, a medical examiner usually had no way to discern whether or not poison was involved in a person's death. The first sign that you've ingested arsenic, keep this in mind, is a sharp burning pain in your stomach and esophagus, a symptom that comes on any time between about 30 minutes to several hours after you've swallowed that poisoned tea. And then comes the nausea and the vomiting and diarrhea. 
arsenic will go on to damage the heart eventually. And a lot of people poisoned with arsenic have lingered on in their deathbeds for weeks. In fact, until the 20th century, doctors had no idea how to treat arsenic poisoning. Uh, They fed patients milk, vinegar, linseed, sugar water, egg whites, you name it, in order to induce vomiting and find a cure. They would even go through the contents of a victim's stomach. And eventually it was realized that some of the, the reaction that happened in the human body when ingesting arsenic While arsenic had no odor, that process could produce a garlic smell. So if they smelled that, then they would suspect that arsenic had been involved. They also used that old standby of the time, bleeding, whether by incision or more often with leeches. But it wasn't just difficult to prove poison as a murder weapon. It was also difficult to place the murderer at the scene of the crime. Dying from arsenic poisoning, as we just mentioned, could take hours and far longer if the poison had been administered in small doses, like in your daily meals. Through much of the 19th century, it's estimated that about one third of all criminal poisoning cases involved arsenic poison. And this brings us back to Marie and Charles. Shortly after they were married, in December of 1839, Marie made a will bequeathing her inheritance to Charles with the agreement that he was going to do the same thing for her. And Charles did make a will bequeathing everything of his to his new bride. But then he made another will. A secret will! And in that secret will, he instead left his entire estate to his mother. So then just a few months into the marriage as well, Charles began having recurring spells of vomiting and diarrhea. And while he was on a business trip to Paris, he snacked on a cake sent from his wife and fell violently ill. Yeah, I believe it was a Christmas cake, which makes it somehow more cruel. I believe it was. Um, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Charles returned home and his condition continued to deteriorate. And his doctors, both in Paris and at home, had diagnosed him with what they believed was cholera. But his friends and relatives really started to suspect that Marie might be the problem and the reason for his poor health. It it is said that she refused to leave his bedside. Um, In fact, as his condition worsened, Marie's mother-in-law had the remains of a glass of eggnog analyzed by the local druggist who reportedly did find traces of arsenic in the beverage. There's this part of me that loves eggnog so much that I'm like, how poison is it? Because maybe I'll drink it anyway. (laughs) He's like, this is going to kill me, but damn, it's tasty. Uh, A delicious way to go. Uh, Although we're being very jovial, but we get to the very grave section next, which is that less than a year into their marriage, it was just January of 1840, Charles died. And although she maintained she was completely innocent, Marie was suspected of having poisoned him. The evidence against her centered around the food she had offered to Charles, including not only the the cake that she'd sent to him on his business trip, but nuggets of venison and truffles were in there as well. Uh, Suspicion also swirled around a small, mysterious box, the powdery contents of which Marie had been seen stirring into her husband's food and drink. Enough evidence was collected that she was arrested on suspicion of his murder. Uh, I will mention, if you want an entertaining read, her memoirs talk about this whole box thing and, like, accidental switcheroo of powders and... Um, oh, yeah, the gum Arabic. Yes. And she's like, it's, it's good for your stomach. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so Marie Lafarge's trial, which was held during the summer of 1840, became a sensation in Europe. And it the fascinated public quickly divided into pro and anti-Marie camps, and in salons, plays recreated the events of the trial. No one could get enough of this story. 
Marie's aunt had secured the best lawyer in Paris, a man named Alphonse Payet, who, with his associates Charles Lachaud and Théodore Bach, would be Marie's defense team. Because of daily newspaper reports, Marie's case was one of the first followed closely by the public. She became the object of adoration for some as much as suspicion for others and received thousands of letters and gifts and even marriage proposals. Yeah, she kind of becomes one of the earliest um, criminals to gain that weird dual notoriety where people are just obsessed with her on both sides of the the belief of her innocence or guilt. When she entered court for the first time on September 3rd of 1840, she was dressed completely in mourning gear and she carried a small bottle of smelling salts with her. So throughout her trial, Marie had a flair for the dramatic. Her lawyer played up, quote, the excellence of her piano playing, her delightful voice, her competence in more than one science, her fluency in several languages, and her ability to compose in Italian verse. It kind of goes back to that thing we've talked about before. Like, she is such a great person, and look how adorable she is. There's no way she's bad. Um, Exactly. If you'd seen Chicago, she's tap dancing right now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Now, there is a little bit of twist that comes into the story here, because while we have been talking about her murder trial, uh, it turned out that she actually ended up with two indictments against her. So there is the one that charged her with the murder of her husband, but there was a whole second charge that came up regarding a jewel theft. So here's the story about the jewel theft. A former school friend of Marie's accused her of having stolen her diamonds while visiting one summer before she had met Charles Lafarge. Marie actually freely admitted that the diamonds were, in fact, at her home, Um, but she refused to admit that she'd stolen them. She claimed her friend had entrusted the diamond necklace to her. Uh, So people generally did start to just believe that she was a thief because she had these jewels. And while some people that were following this trial so closely because it was a huge sort of media event uh, thought that, uh, yeah, she might be guilty of this thievery, but that doesn't mean she's a murderess. But other people just saw these two charges as entwined in regards to her very immoral character and thought that if she was capable of lying about stealing diamonds, then of course she was also capable of carrying out the murder of her husband. But it wasn't popular opinion that she was convicted on. Marie was the first person convicted of murder by the use of direct forensic evidence. Forensic science is what applies science to the analysis of physical evidence during a criminal investigation. And it was brand new at this time. Yeah, toxicology in particular is the scientific study of chemicals, including poisons on humans and other living things. Forensic toxicologists studied the detection and treatment of poisons as well as the effects poisons have on the body. Again, bleeding edge science at this point. Yes, brand new information. So Marie never concealed her possession of arsenic. She bought it openly to kill rats, she stated. And that suspicious white powder she was seen stirring into her husband's food and drink? She insisted that was just gum Arabic, which at the time was commonly used to relieve stomach complaints. Yeah, he's, he doesn't feel well. I'm trying to fix it. Unlike today, when autopsies are fairly common anytime foul play is suspected, in the 19th century, that was not really a standard procedure to interfere with a dead body. Often there were religious reasons for that. So although a postmortem was made on her husband's corpse, that was not done until sometime after the fact when it was insisted upon as all of these suspicions came up. Now, before we jump into... Uh, sort of the development of the test that really damned Marie. We're going to have a little sponsor break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. 
Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. During the first half of the 19th century, Parisian academics were debating which tests and practices for arsenic detection were authentic and which were just bunk. But before they settled on one, they were there were big disagreements over the test's conclusiveness, and the debates became known as the arsenic wars. One of the ways to test for arsenic was a procedure called the Marsh Test that was invented by chemist James Marsh in the early 1830s. Marsh, who was British, had first used this test in his lab in 1832 in a court case that involved a grandson accused of poisoning his grandfather. 
And while Marsh's test of the evidence did produce precipitate of arsenic sulfide, that compound was unstable and it broke down before the trial so it couldn't be used. That propelled Marsh to develop a much more robust version of his test, which he successfully did in 1836, that being just a few years before Marie's case. And when it comes to Marie's case, it was the first time the local doctors had performed or, you know, frankly, even heard of the Marsh test, which was, as we mentioned, still really quite new to scientists. Um, And even in its refined version, it was also notoriously finicky. Um, ultimately, the local doctors performed it incorrectly anyway and uh, found no evidence of arsenic in the corpse. Um, the food that had been served to Charles, however, did test positive for the poison. And when all of these results were revealed in court, Marie, in response, fainted dead away and had to be carried out. Very dramatic. Uh, but not everyone believed there was no poison in that corpse. It wasn't until one of the most prominent scientists of the time was called in by the defense team to help out in the case that evidence was found that Charles had indeed been poisoned with arsenic through his meals. That prominent scientist was Matteo Orfila. And Orfila was the dean of the Paris Faculty of Medicine and the premier toxicologist of the time. He actually went on to be recognized as the founder of the science of toxicology. And because he was living in France, he was considered France's foremost expert on the Marsh test. The Marsh test was capable of accurately detecting minute quantities of arsenic at uh, as little as one fiftieth as little as one-fiftieth of a milligram, and it could be used on bodies that had been long dead. Orfila, asked to verify that there was no arsenic in the corpse, was able to prove conclusively to the court that there indeed was arsenic in Charles's exhumed body, which was said to resemble a, quote, paste rather than flesh. Also, because soil can naturally contain arsenic, he wanted to be very thorough, so he also tested the soil around the burial site to make sure that the corpse had not been contaminated by that. And none of that soil that was adjacent to his burial tested positive for arsenic. Things aren't looking good for our hero. While this was one of the first cases where the Marsh test was successfully used to identify poisoning by arsenic, it was far from the last. Marsh continued to refine his revolutionary detection process And with modifications along the way, it was used reliably for about 150 years. So along with the enactment of divorce laws that made domestic homicide less tempting, the Marsh Test and its ability to trace the murder weapon directly contributed to arsenic poisoning falling out of fashion. And for a little science on this test, it worked a little bit like this. A sample containing arsenic would be combined with sulfuric acid and zinc in an apparatus that was made up of tubes and rods and stopcocks and nozzles, just to name a few of its components. It was complicated. (laughs) And reacting with the zinc, the arsenic would turn to gas. And then when the gas was heated to a certain temperature, it left behind a film of metallic arsenic that arsenic would appear as a black streak after it was allowed to cool on a piece of glass or porcelain. And that presentation came to be known in the court as the arsenic mirror. To counter the test damning results in Marie Lafarge's case, the defense team tried to debunk Orfila's findings with another expert witness. This was Francois Raspail, who also happened to be Orfila's enemy in the arsenic war. So there's a whole secondary drama playing out here. But 
Respy actually got to the whole event too late. The verdict had already been given and he wasn't even wanted by the time he got there. <laughs> In the end, uh, the jury deliberated for just an hour and Marie was found guilty. She was sentenced to life in prison. She was also sentenced to two years imprisonment for the theft of that diamond necklace, uh, time which was merged with her life sentence. Considered a murderess, yet still a respectable female criminal, and that respectable refers to her background of aristocratic birth, Marie was not sentenced to hard labor or to public pillory. In fact, she actually made use of the downtime that came with her sentence. Um, While Marie was incarcerated, she wrote two volumes of her memoirs. In them, she describes her arrival at the prison by saying, My arrival was expected. The populace crowded round my carriage. Shouts, laughter, gross and insulting words fell on my ears. The prison door opened. At the sound of the bolts, I involuntarily recoiled. I made two steps backwards, then, collecting all my strength, with desperate courage, I crossed the threshold of my tomb. Very dramatic. She's so dramatic. Uh, She's such a writer. She is. She is. This is why you like her. Uh, She's been my favorite so far. (laughs) So in June of 1852, after 12 years in prison and reportedly suffering from tuberculosis, Marie was finally released by Napoleon III. She died just five months later. In 1937, Marie's memoirs were adapted into the novel The Lady and the Arsenic. And her story also got cinematic treatment a year later with the release of the film La Faire Lafarge. And in 1953, more than 100 years after her trial, CBS radio series Crime Classics broadcast a version of the story of Marie called The Seven-Layered Arsenic Cake of Madame Lafarge. Uh, So as we look at Marie Lafarge's case, it's worth noting that her crime seems born of a feeling on her part that she had no voice or no recourse in her own life. Uh, If you read... Her memoirs, one of the pieces of advice that she had received from a friend, incidentally, the friend entangled in that whole necklace drama, not long before being introduced to Monsieur Lafarge, lays bare her fraught situation. She was told, quote, You have no fortune and are almost 23. A good marriage can alone confer in society that liberty necessary to your character. Listen seriously while I remind you of certain disagreeable but wholesome truths. Your health is not good, and the nature of your complaint does not add to your beauty. You will soon be an old maid, as dissatisfied with yourself as you will be disagreeable to others. Avert this by becoming an amiable wife. You would not hear me last winter and evaded the subject every time I attempted to speak on it. Now I have caught you, and... I am determined to persuade you to make up your mind and to make you happy in spite of yourself. That's some harshness. That is like, you know how people will say like a friend will tell you the truth? That is. (laughs) That might be a little too much truth. I feel like she's like, I'm never going to see her again. I can just tell her everything I think. (laughs) I think it's like, uh, it's a little cruel to just be the truth in some ways. I know, my God. It's like, you're getting old, you're getting ugly. Oh my gosh, the the section where she's like, your health is not good and the nature of complaint does not uh, add to your beauty. I was like, wow. It's an unkind, it's an unkind whammo. Yeah, Um, well, Holly, you would not hear me last winter. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, rather sobering advice from the Vicomtesse de Lotto and relayed in Marie's memoir makes very, very clear that as a fallen daughter of the aristocracy, fallen simply because she was orphaned, who is, gasp, aging, she's just 
doomed unless she finds a husband ASAP. And remember, she was like 23 without a husband. Yeah. What so a hag. she's eight. Really? <laughs> right. I mean, so when is this? She's like 21 or 22 and her friend's like, you're getting old. Like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it doesn't look good on you. Uh, additionally, per her memoirs, she really, really thought she was marrying into a much better situation than she ended up in. Uh, Marie recounts an evening where Charles showed her and her aunt beautifully colored illustrations of his ironworks and his home and how it was simply told to her that all of this was her future as her marriage had been decided for her. And she describes the moment in the wedding ceremony when it was time to say yes to a life as Charles Lafarge's wife by saying, quote, I felt that I was giving away my life. This is all to say that while she was a killer, Marie was also at her core a woman who felt very trapped. Hey, Maria, it's time for What's Your Poison? (laughs) So what is your poison this week, Holly? So this week, I have one that is invented by a French person, allegedly. That inventor is Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec. You may recognize. And this drink is called an earthquake. It is composed of equal parts absinthe and cognac. Delicious! Okay. (laughs) Let me set the scene at my house. (laughs) So, two things. I am a drinker. My husband is not. Um, I like anise, and my husband does not. Let's just set that up right there. It's one of the things um, I love about you. Right? That mm-hmm. I love anise and drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's two things you love about me. It's two and, things, but I like the anise anyway, quite a bit. <laughs> so I put together this little mixture, which is mercifully easy, right? An equal part drink is super easy to put together. Um, and it was funny because uh, my husband Brian had kind of said, like, I doubt this is going to be the drink for me, but I'll try it. And so I had some and I kind of made a surprised face because I honestly thought it was going to be yucky. But in fact, there's something cool that happens um, where the absinthe really is like the the main player. That's where most of the flavor comes in. And the cognac doesn't undercut it. The absinthe kind of overwhelms it. So it just ends up tasting like a super kind of licorice minty thing that you know is going to get you super drunk. <laughs> like, I, mean, I know, sounds, I know why it's better. called an earthquake. Right? <laughs> because Go, because gotcha. I'm... I'm pretty sure you lose sense of ground being solid if you drink a lot. Like I said, I said when I had it, like if I had two of these, I would be stumbling a wreck. Oh, wow. Even just after the second one. Yeah. And that's after like having a sip and a half. But so the funny thing is my husband took a sip and like looked slightly terrified for a minute and then went, (laughs) wow. And then he was like, this is not for me. Um, So. So it is pretty fun, and if you want to have a historical cocktail, it's an easy one to throw together once you have acquired the absinthe and the cognac. But it it seemed like a good fit because it kind of makes me think of the duality of Marie and Charles Mm -hmm, and their mm -hmm. doomed marriage. Um, So so that is our What's Your Poison for today. The earthquake. The earthquake. We hope that you like us. You're here to the end. So thank you for listening to Criminalia. And if you would like to subscribe to the show, we would also just think that's grand. You can do that on the iHeartRadio app at Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to shows. 
Criminalia is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, please visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 